Coming up in this episode of the Super Pesses Roundup podcast, we look at all the latest news and going on, take a preview at all the teams in the South, and look at the East and West game, both in the history, and where we might go in 2022, plus some special news about the podcast. That's all coming up in the Super Pesses Roundup podcast. Hello and welcome to the May edition of Super Pesis Roundup Podcast, or should I call it episode 13, because we're going to um, number the episodes now. Um, more on that in a little bit. Um, I'm your host, Ian Alba, and joining me is my friend from across the pond, it's Ron Bronson. Ron, how are you doing? Hello. Great to be here. Great to be on the show as always. And of course... Uh, with us is our resident coach. It's Mikko Pirhonen. Mikko, how are you doing? I'm good. And like I said in the last episode, that I don't think that I can be called the like the resident coach anymore because we have the Kathleen Gable Varsity Ladies Tennis Team undefeated champion coach Ron <laughs> Ron Bronson here. So it's like. The, yeah, so the man has gone the whole season undefeated. I've I've never done that, so it's like, what what can I do? But but yeah, but anyways, congratulations. But it's done. I'm okay. Oh, good. Um, so we'll we'll get on to the uh, the main news in a moment, but um, just a little bit of a, a news update for uh, the podcast itself. Um. Those of you who listen regularly will know that um, this has just been a bit of a hobby for us three, and we've um, we've put episodes together when we've found the time here and there. Um, there's never been a real schedule for it. We've just done one a month, and that's that's pretty much what we've been doing. Um, but from this episode onwards, we'll be um, producing regular episodes uh, every other week, um, coming out every Wednesday. We're actually um, very blessed uh, to be part of the uh, Poltolinia family um, because we'll get the uh, the endorsement effectively from the new um, Poltolinia podcast and um, services that go with that. Miko, obviously you uh, will be doing the other podcast, the Finnish podcast as well. Um, it, it's great news that um, we'll be joining uh the other podcast as well as part of that service. What do you think about it? Uh, well, I think this is a big, this is a huge leap forward for the for the whole Pesapalo community because the the one thing that we have been lacking is some kind of a platform for the people around the game to get together and speak about the game and like uh, gather information and spread that information because it, it's been way too much like that the inner circle of the game has been has been talking between each other 
about specific things in the game and they have this like silent knowledge that has been gathered throughout decades and so on generations and stuff like that but uh, some kind of a this kind of a platform which also will be a website i can tell that now that it will also be revealed soon so uh, it 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 kind of gives some kind of a platform for people to get together and get more information about the game and then talk about it in on, on social media or or anywhere they want to so it's uh it's something that has been lacking for uh for a decade i could say and i, I was a part of the last thing that was even close to that and it became an overnight success when we put it up like uh, uh, 2010. So I'm really looking forward to this, and uh, this this will be this will be a great thing, both in Finnish and now also in English, which is a big thing. Absolutely, and uh, Ron, I, I'm 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 ecstatic. I know you are um, too. It's it's a great thing for English speaking um, fans across the world. Um, would you agree? I would absolutely agree. I don't have anything extra to add more than what Miko said. I think that I will say, I will add one thing. I'll say that, especially for people who listen to this, who speak English, who are decision makers or involved in like, how do I, shoot, Paces has done really well, but also, you know, it's a competitive environment for sports and for money in sports. And there's a lot of money out there to be had by expanding the game's audience and reach, Right. And so by, by investing in these kinds of platforms, by, you know, this podcast and doing other kinds of work and getting people who are interested in the game more interested and more invested and more involved, it's money that can be brought into Finland, into the game to grow the super paces, to grow the smaller teams. And so I'm super excited and appreciate the commitment that folks have put involved. Give a special shout out to our, our resident coach. I know he's, you know, he's deferring to me, but he's the, he's the real coach. Um, for being involved in this for a long time and, you know, and, and, and doing this kind of work because, you know, going around the world and stuff, because that's how, it's how folks like us, like you and me can get into the game and get excited and embracing us, letting us come into the game because this is Finland's game, right? But I appreciate all the folks on Twitter and all over who, who, who are excited when we get excited. But I think there's money to be had for this. So definitely want to, want to encourage more of this. So super great. That was more than a little bit. <laughs> Well, that's uh, that's our bit of the news um, out of the way. Um, but uh, let, let's talk a little bit about some of the bigger stories um, in uh, Pespalo at the moment. Now, obviously, we know that the, the season has been delayed ever so slightly again. It's going to start at the beginning of June. Uh, and in fact, we've now had the um, team schedules. So the... Um, the season's going to run in, in the same format, but much more condensed um, amount of games in a week. Miko, do you think that's going to be a bit of a strain on teams as we get down the line? Yeah, of course, in certain terms. But it's the, like the, I would say that the general atmosphere is pretty much the same as it was last year. That just the just the ability to go there and play the games it, it it overshadows everything so it's like especially if and when we get people actually to join there in the stands which is like it's looking good again we, and we know from we learned from last summer that it got better when when we actually got to summer 
but and now we got the vaccine vac- vaccine program going and stuff like that. So uh, it it'll be a strain for the teams, but but also it's like uh, I I don't think that it's too much. There there will be moments when when certain teams certain players will be absolutely exhausted and would need some rotation and the the teams that have the ability to rotate people they they have an advantage this year too uh, in the, in the regular season but I'm happy to, that now we uh, now we have a plan that we would play the playoffs like the best out of five so so it's like that's that's a big improvement in 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 my books. Hmm. Well, last year we saw um, best out of threes um, being used, and I do wonder, especially with that um, Vimpoli Sotcarmo series, whether Vimpoli could have brought it home. Um, they played exceptionally well in in game two, um, but I, I won't say much. Um, more about that. I don't know if Ron's seen yet, but I'm wearing my uh, Sotcarmo jersey I got through the the post. Uh, Friends off, buddy. Friends <laughs> off. Um, but there we are. So, uh, you know, Ron, we've 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 talked about um, the the kind of crazy season that we had last year. Do you think the the teams are going to be a little bit wiser this year? They know the kind of things they're going to be getting into with a more compact uh, schedule. I think we'll see a lot of what we saw last year in terms of crazy outcomes and teams we didn't expect to have success playing well together. I mean, sort of the, what's the Leicester City example of Super Paces, right? Like, I, we, we're due for one of those, right? Um, maybe this is the year for that because I think you get a team that gels. The other thing is, is younger players. We saw a lot of young players last year who got a chance to sort of you know, get some experience and play with no relegation on the line. This year, relegation's back on the line. So what's that going to look like for for the league when you can't just, you know, okay, we're losing. We're going to throw some young guys out there and let them play. How is that going to work? So I think that the early games, having those bunched up games early in the season is going to give us a chance to kind of see the contenders and the pretenders and then seeing how teams respond to that moving into the second half of the season. So I think it's going to be a really wilder than last year even because I think, you know, obviously the stakes are higher in many ways. And one of the consequences of the season being moved to an ever so slightly later date was actually to move the uh, east-west, the Italanzi uh, game. Um, that's now going to be on the seventh of August, uh, the sixth and seventh for the uh, for the two different games. Um, still going to be in in Pori. Um, are, are you looking forward to the east-west game this year? We didn't have it last year, Miko. Well. I would say that I'm I'm looking forward to it for like on the behalf of the organization that they have in Pori because they they are the powerhouse organization in in women's superpasses over the last two decades if we're talking about the organization Kiritaret is the one that has won the championship like Sotkamo has won in men's uh, and uh, and uh, Pori has won one championship over the last two decades but their the organization is actually even if we take all like all Finnish sports they can hold their head high and say that our organization does amazing things. I mean, on their behalf, I, I would hope that they get the event and they get people in and they can have a, like also financial success because they need capacity crowds, to be honest, 
to make it work. You cannot have that kind of a because it's an investment too. But let's hope that it happens. And August looks good. I mean, it's shortly that all the major events in Finland are cancelled than now in July. But basically, all the events that take place in August are are yet to be cancelled, or they are open, and the the hopes are high that by then we could have them. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the East-West game um, later on in the podcast, the little bit of the history to it, and uh, maybe some ideas for, for next year as well. Um, one of the things that um, has uh, been announced today when we're recording, actually, um, is the uh, Cricket Finland tournaments uh, that... Uh, we're going to be uh, held this summer um, two World Cup qualifying uh, tournaments uh, for the T20 World Cup. Um, very sadly, been uh, cancelled. I know you're not a big uh, cricket fan, Ron, but we, were you interested to see how um, how those would have played out? So you know, I think well, cricket in Finland is like baseball in Finland, in a sense, right? Where you're like it's kind of the afterthought for the bat and ball games, which is unusual, right, in the rest of the world, right? To have a sort of a third bat and ball game that's more interesting, that's more more followed than the two biggest bat and ball sports in the world, baseball and cricket, right? Um, and so I think it's disappointing for the growth of the game, right? Um, I think it's super important for for these nascent, these emerging sports to have a chance to get showcased and to have energy behind them. So I I, I feel bummed for the folks involved. I know you have been working with them as well, and so I'm disappointed for you all. And I do hope that. It can get figured out because this, you know, this, these times have been hard for sports that are getting momentum and now they don't have it or, you know, leagues or associations and so forth. And so definitely crushing from that perspective. And in our last podcast, we um, started talking about Constacorica uh, and his uh, foray into the world of, of baseball. Um, since then, we've uh, we've seen him have uh, a couple of outings um, at, at the mound and he's... Uh, He's been looking pretty pretty sharp, Mika. What did what did you make of that? Well, now now he's also gathered some kind of a like national attention. For example, on radio, on, on shows that don't even necessarily like they don't talk about sports, but there's some some of some of the hosts are like following baseball or something like that, and those those happen to be like popular shows. I I, I don't listen to them personally, but but I heard that this is the case. So that so that they mentioned him, and it's like uh, he's been also like. Uh, the name that has been brought up now and he's been looking sharp and and he has the capacity and i would i mean i would absolutely love to see what they could bring out of him by like the technology and the data analysis that they have like uh, coaching tools like driveline for example that that is used to coach uh, baseball players, and and that kind of a because the the kid can is is twenty and he can clock like a ninety five mile fastball, so it's like okay he's twenty, but he, I think that if he learns, uh, like I said in the last podcast, if he learns another <laughs> pitch, uh, it, it should be like good enough. He can if he can do it on a regular basis, but. But let's see. I mean, it's a uh, the the current 
current situation is that he will play the next season and then he will move on to play baseball full time. Well, it's it's interesting to keep an eye on that uh, development. And um, Ron, you never know, they might be asking you to be an expert in, in Finland to try and scout out some uh, young players. Hey, you know, I'm ready. Come on, let's get me on. You know, the only other thing I really want to do is, you know, is, is commentate one of these games one of these times. So, yeah, heck yeah. Um, seeing, seeing him has been fun. And I think that regardless of how it goes, I think the fact that he's even, like we talked about last time, the fact that he's even willing to try this, I think, hats off to him. And obviously wishing him luck and rooting for him to, to have some success, whatever success is defined as. Um, and, I mean, in selfishly the next thing we need now is to figure out how to get some american baseball players to come to finland and play faces one summer <laughs> then, then we'll have created the we'll have done it we'll have created the the, the cross the cross continental uh baseball uh pipeline. <laughs> yeah and also uh just as a quick addition uh one of the things that the baseball federation over here has been planning is that they they have started a conversation uh with the like the Japanese baseball federation because they they saw Konsta Kureka pitch in in Japan like some somebody from there saw that or read read about that and so they're talking about like uh going to Japan sometimes in like uh, one or two years and going there with like so so like maybe 10 people from Finland would go there and uh, we would like exchange information and uh, and uh, like enough people to go there to pl- also play an exhibition game of Pesapalo in Japan. So it's like the so I'm I'm rooting for all these kinds of uh, uh, experiences because I I I still think that this uh, this game like Ron, you said that it's the game of Finland, but it doesn't necessarily have to be just the game of Finland. Well, that's right. Um, it, it's an interesting uh, thought, the, the developing the game in, in Japan. And um, I know the the kind of tactics and the styles of Japanese baseball is actually very similar or very reminiscent of, of Pespalo. It's lots of kind of small ball, not so many home runs, even though the... Um, the world leader of, of home runs, Sadahiro, is um, Japanese. Um, actually, in, in the games, they score very few. Um, but growing the game uh, abroad, we've actually seen some major developments in the Indian subcontinent. Um, Miko, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there was uh, there was a development that actually even, even surprised me because uh, the people who are uh, active Within the Pesapal society in in uh, the subcontinent of India, they have one thing in common, and they it is that they are either in like working for the uh, police or the army, or or they are working with uh, within the like the school system and the sports academy system, and. Uh, now in India, they did some good like lobbying and like the World Cup that was played there. Actually, it had some importance also in those conversations that now because we're talking about a huge country and the, the school sports system is like it's 
humongous. It's like <laughs> it's like off the charts uh, in terms of size because the number of kids that they have there. So so long story short, Pesapolo was accepted as a new sport to be part of the school sports system. And there's like, okay, there's 50 sports in there. And it's like, it, it may sound like it's not much, but uh, even if, what it means is that some schools in some areas will start playing Pesapolo also. And like, it will probably be that mostly they play cricket. But every now and then they try this other kind of game too. But since they are establishing this uh, as a part of school sports, it also means that there will be state championships and national championships for boys and girls under 19. And what that means is that because any trophy is is really like... Uh, I, I cannot stress too much how much they want to win those trophies even the state championships but it's like uh like run you know like in in usa the the friday night lights thing they like the state championships is a huge thing for example in football and it's like for high school high school kids so it's, it's the same for them that if they have a chance to win the national title it that itself will ensure that some areas will take this sport like seriously and they will invest into that enough to get like uh, some kind of uh, like improvement for facilities and stuff like that but but i would say that uh that the three things that we have been trying to establish in South Asia over the five last five years with uh, Juha Antikainen and Jussi Pysalo being the like the two first front runners who went there, and I was the third one to join in and do more coaching there. Three things: get this sport to schools, get the kids to play this. Second one: get affordable equipment. Now they're. Now, now they are uh, already making uh, Pesapalo gloves in Bangladesh, which are good quality, and they cost a fraction of those that uh, you you buy from Finland. Uh, next up, they are gonna start manufacturing wooden bats in in India, which are like uh, the the bats in Finland. They cost like three hundred euros uh, a piece, and it's like it's more than the monthly average wage in some countries like Nepal. So it's like they, they cannot buy that. But so that's the second one. And the third one is to get uh, umpires and coaches education there when it's possible. And okay, right now recording this, we know the situation in the, in the Indian subcontinent. Uh, it's not like we first we have to ensure that those people get out of this crisis as healthy as possible. Because that's a human. This, that's like, a, yeah. We know we know how it is these days, and I, I wish all the best. Also from this way, I wish all the best uh, f for my friends over there. But hopefully, we're talking like next year or the year after that, and that's when we have really have to take advantage of this step and also like step in. Uh, as as coaches and umpires and go there and 
teach those people how this game is played because now we have the platform and now we have to step up and do do the next thing hmm. well i i echo no run does as well um all our thoughts are, are with uh, everyone out in in india um it, it it still amazes me um the the fact that not only are they playing pespalo in the indian subcontinent but they're they're really getting into it and and they're really doing well without having had all of that major involvement and the investment and like you say the equipment and and umpires and so on and so forth um i i'm really intrigued to see um how things are going to progress uh, ron when you first started getting into uh, paspala did you think that they'd be playing it in the indian subcontinent you know i didn't but i think it speaks to you know grassroots in this case grassroots development and and what 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 it takes when folks are willing to put a little investment in in this case, energy of human capital going over and checking these things out and so no, i had never when i first heard the story i was like wait what um, but now, now I'm super on board and very excited to see how it evolves because I think it's a really, really cool development for, again, it's Finland's game, but growing the game outside of Finland, I think it's a really cool development and exciting to see how, how it all evolves. And of course, um, Bangladesh took uh, bronze in the Men's World Cup uh, in 2019 in India. Um, if they can do that without having had all of this investment, the training, um, the, the level of uh, thought that's really going into building the game now, you wonder where they'll be in four, five, ten, maybe even 20 years' time. Yeah, uh, just a, got a short anecdote about it because I was texting with uh, with their federation federation guy who runs the things on like on the ground level and now they they are showing some games that they are playing they are showing them on cable tv but but still we are in a situation that he was just he's the most polite guy that you're ever gonna meet and and just a kind-hearted man but he was asking me like kindly that that could you help us out a little bit? And I was like, yeah, sure. What what can I do? That uh, yeah, we have these games coming up, and we we only have like three balls left because <laughs> the situation is that we 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 took all the equipment that they're using with us when we went there, so they they don't have any brand new equipment. And when you hit like a pesapalo for let's say two hundred times. It loses its shape. It starts to look like an egg and you cannot play with it. So they are in a situation where they can show some games on uh, on cable TV, but they're, they're only left with three balls. And I was like, yeah, I can, we should probably do something about, <laughs> about this. And uh, so I, I, I made some calls and now, like, hopefully we will get, like, at least some new balls to to Bangladesh, so they can play in front of TV cameras. So that's where we where we are at. So it's it's full of like uh, amazing stories. This whole adventure over there, but and it will continue. I'm, I'm sure of it. Well, I think that's uh, going to wrap up the first part of the uh, podcast. So we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we will. Come back to Finland and we'll be looking at a preview for the teams in the south.
Okay, welcome back. Um, we're going to start talking about how we think the teams in the South are going to start shaping up in this coming season. Um, we're, we're starting to, to build up towards it now. It's uh, just under a month away. Um, so the, the teams, I've, uh, I've grouped them into little groups uh, for the purposes of these podcasts. And for, for this one, we're going to be dealing with uh, Mansa, KPL, Huvinka and uh, Hamina. And at first blush, Mansa and KPL look pretty strong uh, in that list. Um, we know Mansa's made a lot of changes to their, their lineup for this coming year. Um, I was having a discussion with somebody on Twitter earlier this week, and we were talking about how the, there seemed to be like three tiers in uh, the Super Pesis. And, you know, breaking into the top four is really where it's at. And Mansa seemed to have moved straight out of the possibly being relegated um, group last year, bypassed the middle of the pack to be potentially a contender in that top four. Do you think that's a fair assessment, uh, Miko? Well, that's definitely the case. And I, I would actually throw this question to to run because now they're uh, what what Monse is doing is that now they have become the team that everybody loves to hate. I mean that's the, that's the, they they are like the now they're like the New York Yankees or the Manchester City or the uh, New England Patriots in and Los Angeles Lakers whatever you have it. So uh, what do you think about this kind of a move that you have a star-studded team all of a sudden and you make a big splash and you're the biggest city on the on the map and now you go out to the when they go to Wimbledon people will actually want to win that game more than anything any else any game else so what do you think about that for me i think so i think it's good for the game you know i know when you first started doing this i first started talking to you about this you used to talk about free agency and the players that move around a little bit and how kind of like you know it's different than american sports because teams don't really spend money like that and it's hard to get all the guys to one place you develop your own players and now we're starting to see over the last we've been doing this a year but over the last year or so we started to see with covid and some of the other things Guys are willing to go to other teams. Guys are willing to go say, hey, I can win over there. Hey, you're coming too? Oh, cool. We're going to get together. So I think it's great for the game, even though I know that, like, as a fan of a team that's in a small town, you know, like, we're not going to do that, right? Like, it's not going to happen simply. But I think it's good for the game because it makes the, especially in a big city, right? Like, you know, it's not Helsinki big, but the big city for Pace Apollo. I think it's good for the game. Um, now, whether, but you know, we know this as fans, if you watch American sports, okay, with all the money comes big expectations. There's no, oh, we made it to the final. What a job. Like, you know, like, ah, oh, darn, we lost. But you know what? We got there and we did our best. We'll try again next year. There's not that when you spend that kind of money, you bring those kinds of players together. It's title or bust. And I don't know that you look at that team and you think instantly title, right? Maybe, but I don't think so, right? I think they still have to go win it. So they're going to need to have a strong start to prove to the rest of the league, oh, these boys are serious. So I'm excited to see it work play out. Well, I I was looking at um, you know who who has gone uh, to Mansa, 
And, you know, you, Thomas Yusilla, Lauri Kivinen, Juha Putimaki, um, Henry Paputi has gone there. And you mix that with um, Yusum Milanyemi from last season. His number of, of hits, successful hits, was phenomenal. I mean, they're going to be uh, tough to play against. I mean, Putimaki is, um, you know, two-time champion uh, pitcher. And, you know, he went undefeated for the best part of last year. I mean, that that's that's really class pitching. Paputi, of course, has a lot of experience uh, with him too. Um, and Duomos Yusila as well. Great at bat and great defensively. I'm going to ask you, you both where you think they're going to finish in the regular season. For me, I think they might finish third in the regular season. And I've gone as far as to say I think they'll win bronze, but they won't. They, they won't get into the final, and they won't be champions. But I think they'll finish with a bronze medal. Are, are they doing that thing this year again, where you pick your own opponent, or we have they decided yet? I believe they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are picking the opponent. Yeah. Well, then that changes the game, right? Because in a bracket third, eh, that's fine. You get you be in semifinals. But in a world where they get to pick their whoever's left, whoever's left over, maybe they get a favorable matchup. If they are a three or a two, they get a favorable matchup in the first round, right? And then they cruise to a semifinal. I don't know, man. I think that those guys, that's a proven veteran team. I think finals finals are bust for them, I think, personally. Like, top two and finals. That's what I think. I don't think they'll win it, but I think finals for sure. Uh, Miko, your thoughts? Well, in terms of regular season, I'm pretty much uh, on the same level. I actually put them third on on my my rankings, which I wrote down for our national uh, betting company this week. And uh, but the to hit the big picture is that when we're talking about these guys, we're we're talking about like proven winners, players of the year, multiple players of the year, stuff like that. But these guys are like, they're mainly between 30, 35. So it's like, and with that investment into the team, it's like, it's the opportunity that they had and they should should use at some point. And you can make arguments uh, like for it or against it. That was it. Was it a good thing to do? How they did it, but but the main thing is that they now they have the championship window, which is open for two seasons for me. To not not more than that. It's like with with that core, well, a maximum of three. But you have to win the title within the next three seasons. So it's like I I think that Ron is on point here. Because uh, it's it's like finals are bust, and I I think that like a bronze medal, yeah, it would be something uh, something new there. But but these guys they don't settle for any bronze medals, and, and uh, I I don't think the organization will either. So big expectations, but they have like they they know that it's coming, and they have. Uh, they know that they're going to be the most talked about and most hated team in the sport. And that's the best thing that could happen to Pesapal. That's that's for sure. So moving on from uh, Mansa, we'll uh, move on to uh, KPL. Now, KPL obviously took uh, silver 
last year. And th- there were moments in that game too where you thought, well, you know, they've got this. They're gonna they're gonna take it back to Sotgarmo, you know, um, and um, yeah, it just 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 slipped it slipped away um, from them in the end in the uh, the extra innings. Not a lot of um, movement uh, with KPL in terms of uh, players. A couple uh, I've I've noted come from uh, Kankampa, um, but one notable uh, mention is uh, Osimerilainen from Kempele. Um, he had forty three RBIs last year, and when I was watching a lot of Kempele's games, um, he he was producing. At bat, at points when they they really needed it, they had a terrible defense last year, and they seem to have a tactic of just go out and score as many runs because we're going to be leaking them uh, in the defensive half of the inning. But you know, KPL are already stacked, full of very very good players, very experienced players as well. Did you see them going back to the uh, finals again this year, Ron? You know. The thing I love about watching Pace is compared to like other sports, you know, that I've watched where, you know, your rivals are just like, oh, I don't like those guys. And I never just want to see them do well. Where in Pace, it's just like maybe because guys change teams a lot, like, or just because of the communities, even teams I don't root for, like, I don't ever want to see Sakamu win another, you know, another title ever again, right? But even them, I like, I watch them, I see, I respect them when they are successful. KPL, Kuvala, I, I want that team to be do well for those fans. They just, they deserve it after all the heartbreak. It gets so close. And it, Vimbley is like, you know, was a culprit of this in 10 years or 11 years ago. So like of, of causing them this pain. So I, I, I want to root for them. I think that they're going to have a harder time. Last year was the year to steal a title. Last year was the year to do it. I think it's going to be harder this year for them, but I wouldn't bet against them. Um, do I think it's going to happen though? No, I don't think so. I think top four for sure, but I have a hard time imagining. That on paper, but that's how I play the games. Um, what's your view, Miko? Well, first of all, they lost. Uh, they lost some of their leading players, and uh, in in different terms. I mean, uh, Gerrit Dahlstrom at the age of like thirty nine, forty, produced another top season, which we thought that he could be like over the hill by now. But he he did it. He was good. Uh, Tony Laksa was away for parts of the season, but when he came back, he was phenomenal in the playoffs, and he was one of the top reasons that that KPL could like play in the finals, and he, he produced at bat especially. And Ansilamila was like uh, he he retired now, and he was like he epitomized the team. He was the heart of heart and soul of the team. He was the captain, and he was like the he was the guy who was like invaluable in that sense. And one thing that I need to mention is that, okay, last year they also uh, they played with a different tactic that wasn't like it wasn't so reliant on a bomb. Uh, so I don't like uh, there's no good English term for that. But but anyway, but now one thing is that uh, okay they had to renew the surface of the pitch in, in Kovala because it was old. But when, when pitches get old and worn in Pesapalo, they get super bouncy also, which helps. They it helped their tactic. But now when you install a new like a brand new playing surface, it's 
it's a lot softer. So it means that you cannot, you you have to adapt your tactics actually. But they they played last year for long times in the regular season. They played for long periods without using that particular hit as their as their major major tool. But now I think that uh, the the young the young guys that they got there uh, are actually uh, their their own uh, their own juniors. They're from their own youth system that they got back now. And uh, especially Jasperi Luoma that got back there. Uh, he played for us in Monse two years ago. And he's 20 now. And look, okay, his older brother also plays. Valtteri Luoma plays in, is in KPL. And he won the Golden Glove like as the best outfield player for, for last season. And this kid... His, his younger brother, he has the ability to do the exact same thing. One of the best young outfield players that I've seen in this game for a long time. So he is one give and uh, Osimirin had actually played before in uh, in KPL and was a huge success back then. He played his best season, but he even won the whole, like the, batting statistics in, in on one season he was the batting king so he had the most i, I think it was somewhere in 2014 or something like that so but they have they they have four or five they have Tony Kohonen, Matti Latvala, Janne Kivipelto they they have experienced guys who can produce the runs and so he's not alone in that but KPL is the okay. They they have a strong core. They have an experienced core. They have good youth system. Good young guys coming up. Now uh, I see them. They're they are in top five. Or now nowadays we're even talking about top six because Kite is also there. So that's huge and that's great. So they're somewhere in there. But it's also a team that nobody wants to face in the playoffs. That's for sure. Well, we saw that last year when uh, KPL abruptly has stopped uh, Yoansu's winning streak and knocked them out of the playoffs to make it to that final. Um, so we know that they've they've got the goods if they if they get that far. Um, it's prediction time. I'm going to suggest they finish fifth in the table. I I can't see them being in, in a shout for a medal. There's just too many other teams. Uh, in in the top four um, that are more likely to make it, in my view. But um, yeah, fifth. Miko, what do you think? Well, I would have to say again that I I agree with most of that. So it's like it's either fourth or fifth for me in in the regular season. But yeah. And Ron, where do you think they'll finish? I'm just going to be a contrarian and say seventh. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, seventh uh, place, that is a nice little segue to the next team in my South group is the team that finished seventh last year, and that's uh, Um So uh, we've uh, we've seen a couple of uh, the training matches uh, with Hoovinka. Um Most notably, there was one in the snow. Uh, uh, the other day I mean Ron can you imagine baseball players going out there in the snow the, the rain's bad enough 
It happens occasionally, like in April sometimes or in March. It happens a couple times a season. They play baseball games in the snow. They'll stop eventually. Yeah, but, that's the point. <laughs> they didn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Finland, man. A little flurry is not going to hurt true, anybody. That's true. That's <laughs> um, true. But one of the, the one of the key signings, um, I think, for Huvinka, um, is uh, Petteri Alanen, who was the pitcher for Mansa last year. Now, um, Hervinka didn't do so well defensively last year. I think that's an understatement. Um, some people on Twitter were saying it was the leakiest outfield in um, Pesapolo. And, you know, it, it's a it's a sweeping uh, stadium at, uh, at Hervinka. So, you know, if, if you make mistakes, if you give the batting team that little bit of space... Um, it, it's it's just runs all day long, um, but when I was watching um, some of these these training games, I actually thought that Hervinka were were performing much better defensively. Obviously, that's something they've been trying to work on um, in the winter break. Um, Miko, do you think um, Petteri Allenen is going to be the key for Hervinka this year, trying to uh, shore up that defense? Well, for me, he's the biggest question mark. Because uh, once again, we're talking about a talented kid, and uh, the the fact that he even ended up to be, be the starting pitcher for Mansa last year was was it was a pleasant surprise for me, but a big one because two years ago when I was there, he was playing like he was playing on the outfield, so he was our like third choice pitcher. But he was extremely talented. He played in the in the youth games. He played as a pitcher, and we knew that this kid can play. But then all of a sudden, they they promoted him to be the starting pitcher, which which was a shrewd move. And it, like uh, we found out that he can play on superposis level. He was not the best in the. He, he was not on the top half of, of of pitchers last year. But he was not like. It was he was not out of his league either. So, but now to a different environment, he's still young. He's still like uh, he's still like learning the ropes in some sense. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, Hubinka last season, especially in the in the beginning, in the, in the first part of the season, they they were just uh, like uh, it was a train wreck. To be honest, I mean, I couldn't say it any other way. It was just they they lost game. They were terrible in terms of like the talent that they have. It was just painful to watch, and that was one of the big reasons was that their pitcher back then, Kalatapia Husko, was was the. I mean, he was the worst pitcher in the league. You you couldn't put it any other way, and now he has he has gone to the outfield. He he he's a talented player. But for me, it's still a big if that if Alanin can play a good top level season, they they have all the qualities to finish even in the top six. But is he a top six pitcher at this moment? I'm not so sure, to be honest. But but it's like it's a team that has, uh, especially power hitters and some. Really fast runners and exceptional talent. So it's 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 one of the most interesting teams that it can swing even up to fifth, but it can swing to be nine or ten. 
So it's like the the scale is big. Yeah, I mean, if you um, if you don't mind having the the palpitations and the worries and the panic of where your team's going to finish, then Hervink has a good uh, a good shout to to follow. Um, I was looking at the um, pitching statistics uh, spreadsheet that I put together and I talked about in the previous podcast, and um, Petteri Allenen was in very much in the lower half in terms of earned run average and consistency. So in terms of uh, how many runs on average he was giving up per game, he varied quite widely in comparison to others. But his uh, efficiency rating was actually quite good. So how efficient he was at getting out batters in in terms of the number of uh, batters faced, um, he actually was sixth. So I, I wanted to go back and have a look at some of those games and... I think it was it was a bit of an all or nothing. <laughs> um, people were either scoring runs or they or they were getting out um, uh, to Mansa last year. So it is a big question mark. I think I think it's going to be an interesting development, but it, it's certainly better or, or certainly a better platform to build on for Huinka than than last year. Ron, do you agree with that? Um, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'm going to just, going to also plug your uh, spreadsheet. You've done an amazing job of, of being sort of the, you know, trying to be the Bill James for the American baseball fans, the, the sabermetrics guru of Finnish baseball. And, um, I don't have anything to add other than to say that I think that it'd be fun this year to, to track player efficiency in this way to like start looking at like, we know about point runners, we understand RBIs, some of the counting statistics. But what are other what are the other facets of the game, and how can we maybe measure that a little bit? You know, us us people on the other side of the pond, we love taking all the numbers and crunching them. So, um, so I, I'm going to be intrigued to, to look at that and to dig deeper into some teams to be able to say things like, like what Miko said, where you have teams that are could be fifth, could be twelfth, who knows? Um, being able to dig into why that's happening more. So that's what I'm going to be intrigued to see. Um, so again, plugging your spreadsheet. On the blog, check it out. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. Um, so it's uh, prediction time. I- I'm going to say they could finish higher, they could finish lower, but I'm going for seventh, um, sticking with with seventh um, as they were last year. Um, Miko, do you think that's that's about right? Where do you have them? Yeah, I, I don't know if you're actually if you have stolen my writings or something like that because. I, I have <laughs> <Not> them. <at laughs> all. Yeah, I, I mean, I I have they 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 haven't even been published yet, but I I had them on seven because I I think that that's where their material right now is like pointing at towards. So, and just just one one quick thing about when you're talking about the statistics, that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring some elements of that into our podcast too because uh now that we got like uh now that i got passage to use the epesis which is the like the statistic system that for example i can i can see that how much time each is runner is taking to approach then like to, to reach the next base which is the key element in in Pesapalo. it's like uh petri Pennanen who won the title uh, as the game manager of Joensuu, uh, when when we talked about this, uh, this the like the core of Pesapalo, it's like in the in the core of this game, is like 
reaching the next base as fast as possible. That's that's the essence of it. So the the running is emphasized a lot, and not just the running because there's, there's cognitive skills you had to like uh, see colors and different shapes and from the game manager, and you had to read the picture, and you have to like it's so it's not just straight running, but it's like all of those things put together and so and we have these like we call them batting maps so we can see that for example whether whether where the batters have tried to hit the ball to so it's like it's going to be interesting to bring that also into these podcasts both in finnish and also in english and ron where do you think hervinko will finish you've uh you went for um kpl down in seventh um a moment ago, so you can't choose that. You're right. I can't. Um, Taco Man is such an interesting team. I, I It's hard for me to say. Um, for, for the purposes of the show, I'll say they're going to finish disappointing ninth. Um, which leaves us with the last team uh, in our southern group, uh, which is Hamina. Now, we've already talked a lot about Hamina in, um, I think it was our March episode or we've talked about it previously. Um, but obviously since then, we've seen a, a couple of training matches. Um, KPL obviously didn't put out their A squad against Hamina the other day. Um, th- th- they look okay. Uh, I think they've got a bit of fight in them, and they certainly have um, the fan base and the, and the draw there that will, will inspire them a, a bit. They're they're definitely in the the bottom section of the uh, of the league, I think, and and one of the teams who will be fighting to avoid relegation. Um, do you think that's a fair assessment, Miko? Well, that's that's spot on because when we take a look at the team and when we take a look at what they achieved last season in, when they gained promotion when they won promotion i think that everything everything was laid out in the ukespedis for all to 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 reach promotion and uh, hamina exceeded expectations uh, outside of their own city of course by by doing just that and because the core of the team has stayed basically the same and if we take a look at last season they didn't go like uh uh from strength to strength it's like they they lost games they lost actually they lost a lot of games in in Nukospecies so but to, what speaks for them is that the, the signings they have made are actually they are shrewd signings. They are very good signings. They are exactly what they need. And one of them, the, uh, the star signing, so to say, Sasu Toikka, who came, who played for K- KPL for nine years. Uh, he's he's thirty now, but he's the he's their own. Like he he is from Amina. So it's like, and Toika is like like a family name that whenever I hear somebody is Toika. I immediately assume that he's from Hamina, he or she. So it's like uh, every other person is Toika from there. So, but and and the one thing is that they always have like good numbers of attendance uh, in the games. 
And it's also in the, it's like uh, the, the co-host of the Finnish podcast, uh, Antti Ylisana, make it put it well, that it it's somehow it's within their DNA that when they get a, some kind of a hold of the game or they get a home run or something like that, it's like, then it's like going to see some uh, uh, like wild crowd from the like the English championship football or something like that they, they go absolutely mental in terms of pesapalo crowd so it's a, so it's 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 very much like a working class city that has this like this atmosphere that it's us against the world and it's a, I, it's always one of my favorite places to go and play and and have a game there because you know that the atmosphere is going to be there and the, the the people actually care about it and so that's why I'm I'm happy for them to be back in Superpasis I just hope that they can uh, maintain their level throughout the season because the last time that they were in Superpasis we saw some Very good wins in the first part of the season, and then we saw some really ugly losses after that. And it's like, uh, yeah, I just hope that they can stay stay on their better level. Well, I, I don't know, Ron, if you've got much um, to add to that. Um, so obviously we've covered them at length in the previous uh, podcast, so we'll go straight to... Uh, predictions um I, i think they've got a little bit of something um so they're not going to be at the very bottom of the table i think there are a couple of teams who will not do as well as them um i think they will actually finish in 13th um miko if you tell me that you have them 13th as well i'm i'm just gonna call it a day i've, I've <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, this, uh, at least we have like a one place difference. For me, they are 14th because uh, I, I think that their lack of experience and like a certain lack of leading players will lead them in a in in a situation where, like, re- renewing their place in Superpasis for the season 2022 is the is the ultimate goal, and like. Uh, they can do it by finishing fourteen, thirteen, but they, I don't see the. I I I just cannot see they them maintain the level that would take them higher than thirteenth. And Ron, um, where do you think they'll finish? I predict they stay up. <laughs> Any better than that, or just stay up? <laughs> Nope, that's it. They're staying up. How they stay up, I don't know. But <laughs> when I come to Hamina, I better be treated well. There you go. There's your prediction. You're welcome, fans. <laughs> well, uh, that that's our that's our preview for the Southern teams. Um, in our next podcast, we'll uh, take a trip out east uh, and look at Yonsu, IPV, Siliyarvi, and uh, Kite. Um, so we'll we'll uh, dive into those on the next occasion. Um, That'll do it for the second part of the uh, podcast. Uh, we'll take another short break. And when we come back, we'll uh, take a brief history of Italanzi and um, look at what uh, 2022 could look like.
Okay, uh, welcome back. Um, our final part of the uh, podcast will be looking at the equivalent of the All-Star game. It's the Italansi East and West uh, game. Now, we didn't have this last year, so we didn't get a chance to, to look at it or cover it um, really in any detail. Um, but it is basically um, the best players from teams in the East versus the best players from teams in the West. Um, and I remember Miko, uh, I think it was in, uh, one of our very, very early podcasts. You said it, it, because there's no real national team, it actually is quite a, an important accolade to say, I played in that game. Uh, is that right? That's exactly right. I mean, that's, uh, that, that is something that you can say that if you have made it to that game, it's always going to be in your resume as a player that you made it to Italanzi as a player. And that means that you're like the, well, at, at least you're an A-level player. But I think that if, if you've been selected for, say, three times or more, then then you're like on the star, stars list, so so to say, the, the, that you're on the A-list. But uh, but yeah, it's a it's a bit hard to explain because the uh, the whole concept of playing this it sounds like it's it's an all star game that it's just a b- bunch of people having just fun and blah 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 and then somebody they, like it's more a form of entertainment and yeah, for example in the in the in the American professional leagues. But but over here, it's like uh, the pride they 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 play at, at like a hundred percent, and that's a matter of pride. They actually want to perform at their best. They want they all they also want to entertain. They do some tricks and try some gimmicks that they normally wouldn't do. But that's part of the show. But it's like they they want to show their best abilities against the best players and it's a matter of pride and nobody has ever turned down like after being selected nobody has ever turned down the possibility of playing in those so it's like uh, it has a bit of a carnival atmosphere to it when people are uh, like when they can attend actually understands but it's like um, I I can say that when I was a kid, I, I remember that when I was about ten years old, it was like the the women's and the men's uh, Italian game was shown on national TV, and it, it was like uh, I waited for those games for for weeks, and I, I put up like uh, I had treats, and it was like it, it was it almost felt like it was some kind of a birthday or something. To, to see that game on national TV. So it's like, it is a big thing. It's not just a, a all-star game. So it's, a, and it has a huge long history. So, so that makes it a bit special. Talking about the history, uh, from what I can see, it, it goes back to 1932. Is that right? Well, it sounds about right. I don't remember the exact year, but yeah. Okay. Um, so, Assuming that is right, it'll be 90 years next year. Um, Ron, obviously in baseball, 
in America, the the All Star Game determines who has home field advantage for the World Series. They well, because everything changed because of uh, COVID, so, so I think they've suspended that. But that used to be a thing. You're right. For a couple of years, it was never a thing, and then it became a thing. Yeah. Um. Do Do you think they they should have a similar a similar thing for Pespalo for the Super Pesis Championship Finals, or do you think there's enough to play for already? It's just different, right? It's a different thing. Um, no, I, I think I don't think they should be tied together. I think it's great that it's a showcase right now, and this is a thing we all have in common. Sort of, you know, in terms of states and in really, you know, our sports culture and in, in, in East West is you know these kinds of showcase All Star games. We have tons of those here for every sport, every level, um, whether it's high school, junior high school, doesn't matter. So um, it's a thing we have a share in common. But no, I don't. I wouldn't make it more more. Uh, to add more stakes to it, especially given that it's East-West, it's not like conferences or leagues or something. So I wouldn't. No, I think it's great how it is. Yeah. Well, one of the things that Mikko and I mentioned in one of the earlier podcasts was um, the difference between the East and West teams um, versus, for example, um, in baseball in America, the the different leagues, you know, it was, uh, the American League and the National League, which were very separate um, identities until – relatively recently actually uh, uh, during my during my lifetime yeah um so um it it, it doesn't really compare in the, those terms um one news um article that we we haven't really uh, talked about thus far is the suggestion and the proposal um that one of the championship games for super Pesos would be played at the olympic stadium yeah, I was just uh, thinking about that because that the, that news is it's been uh, like uh, known for some time that they are preparing for that, but the news broke out this week publicly through an uh, like a sports magazine article that spoke about it. And uh, okay, this uh, I I try I try to keep this short, but. Okay, this uh, these East West games, they they actually have a long, they have a huge history of being played in Helsinki. First, they were played in the in a field of like it was called Hesperia, which is uh, later on it's like it's a hugely valuable spot of land in the like in the middle of Helsinki, but it was the original like not the first one they played in but it was for decades it was played in helsinki and it got huge attendances and it's like uh i've been looking at some history clips lately that i got my hands to and it was like just amazing things that for example if the king of norway was visiting finland and they took him to watch like the game and uh in the in the game in the ball that they used after the second world war in the ball that they used to play the men's game it had the signature of the like our president from and the like the big war hero from the world war ii who has a statue in the like and 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 the biggest uh our, our busiest street in Helsinki is named after him, Mannerheim. So his signature was on the ball when they played the East-West game. So it's a special occasion. So 
and it was played on the 80s uh, in Helsinki in the in the Olympic Stadium. And I think that the uh, record attendance for the East-West game is from that period. So it, it stands somewhere between 10,000 and 15,000 people. But since the Olympic Stadium can take in somewhere between 35,000, 40,000, it didn't look like much. But what I would personally want to see is that they would take the East-West game if they can take it. Uh, to uh, to Helsinki to be played at the renewed, uh, recently gone through a 300 million euro renovation, the Olympic Stadium, and now opened up again. If they could take it to Helsinki and play it there when the game turns 100 years old uh, next year, they really should take take that opportunity and run away with it. But now the... <sighs> What's what what actually is worrying me is that now they are planning uh, in the federation that they would let Tampere have the East West game as planned, which is would would be fair to them, obviously, and they are the rising organization, and they would play the men's final, the Superpesis final, as a one-off at the Olympic Stadium, which is not suitable for playing Pesapal. And I mean, the whole idea sounds, when when I present it like that, it sounds absurd to, to most people. And most people are against it for like for sports reasons. And as a sports, like as a coach and as a former player, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm against that too. But the, but the main thing here is that now the game is on the rise. It, the rise is actually quite big. And next year is the year when they have to gain national media attention, like big-time national media attention, and benefit from this rise. Or after that, we we will not have the same kind of opportunity in a long time. And that's why, like, that is the sole reason why this plan is actually being like even even discussed about a bit between the clubs because nobody in their right mind would want to play like in a normal year the final series as a one off on a surface that is not suitable for the game it's like it's <laughs> once again it sounds stupid but uh, but when you put it like that way that uh, I was talking about the A-list. Uh, now, now Pesapalo is close to being an A-list sport in Finland, but we are not there yet. But we can be. So it's like now, now is the time that some people are thinking, who are known to be thinking outside the box in this sport. They are actually supporting this. So that makes me think it like again that. Is it actually a great good for the sport in the long term? But that's a that's a nice conversation to be had. Well, it it, it is a, an interesting conversation, and certainly you know you talk about it not being the ideal playing surface for um, from the modern game, and certainly having a championship ride on it, it, it is quite high stakes, uh, and the the teams really aren't up for it. Um, but going back to the point that you you were talking about the 
Italanzi game used to be um, a staple of the uh, the Olympic Stadium. It used to be there regularly. Um, what I was thinking, what I would like to see, is next year the East-West game goes back to the Olympic Stadium. But in a nice twist, what I'd like to see is the East and West teams wearing the old, like like a, a retro uniform for the original two um, two teams, HPL, HPL and uh, Toy Allen. Um, I think it would be really interesting, nice touch. It's a big spectacle. Um, you could even have it so that it's not necessarily East and West. You could have the two coaches picking uh, players for for it because I know we've had different formats for um, different types of All Star games in say like the NHL or the NFL and things like that um, in recent years. Um, maybe it's me being a bit gimmicky or a bit romantic about <laughs> something that happened a hundred years ago, um, but I, I really like that kind of idea. Um, Ron, what do you think? Americans, you know, I love a good throwback uniform. You don't have to ask me. Um, we love, we, I have, I've got throwback hats all over my house. Um, I think it's a great idea. Um, just addressing really briefly what, what Miko talked about related to having a championship ride on a weird surface and a one, one off playoff game. I agree. It's a terrible idea, but it's also brilliant because if you can get 15,000 fans, which you would into a stadium in the biggest city, the biggest media market, um, bring in some extra cash that you wouldn't otherwise get after two years of dealing with COVID. I think it's a sacrifice that's worth taking. Um, it's a one-off game. Both teams have to be on the field. It's not like we get to play on grass and you get to play on turf. It's not. We're all playing on the same field. Surely you can go to a soccer field and practice. Like, I mean, I think that, you know, these managers are smart. They know what players are smart. You can figure it out. And I think for the greater good, like you said, I think that it, it to me, the pros would outweigh the cons for sure. Um, but yes, I love your throwback idea. I think your throwback uniforms are great. Um, yeah, all for it. Yeah, it's just so one thing about the East-West game in general is that now that the players are moving around more than they used to do, say, 20, 30 years ago, when they were quite stable uh, where they're from, they stayed there for most of their career. Uh, the the thing that I would renew in the East-West concept is that the players would represent uh, the part of the country where they are from. So they're like, if a player is from, like, say, he's born and raised in Wimbledon, he he will remain a West player, even though, for example, take Arturuska plays for KPL this year, if he makes it to Italiansi, and he he might. I mean, he's a he's a great talented player. He should repre- represent the team West for me. So that's the change that I would make. They have that in Australia. They have that in Australian football. It's called State of Origin. They have like a game. Yeah, they have a game like that. It's a really cool idea. Yeah, I think that's great. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I I, I love it too. Um, I think it it probably means a lot more to players to represent where they're from. You know, if you if you grow up in the West, you've always supported the West. You don't want to be necessarily playing for the East. Um, so I, yeah, I, I love the idea. I, I think it would be a really interesting thing to, to see develop in the future if, if they decided to do that. Um, 
Well, I think that'll just about wrap it up for um, this podcast. Um, I want to uh, thank my uh, co-hosts, uh, Ron Bronson. Always good to be on the show, and I got it before we finish. We got we got to plug our fantasy baseball league. Currently in the standings, um, our our English friend was in first, but my coworker eclipsed him, and now he's in first. Our English friend's in second. I'm in third, but way behind. Um, and somehow, our Finnish friend is at the bottom of the list. But I know him. He will not be there for long. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't want to mention I'd slipped into second, but there we are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also want to thank uh, my other co-host, of course, Mikko Pirhonen. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I have a long-term plan for this season for, for the Fantasy League. And uh, I, I just, uh, well, I, I would like to publicly claim like put everything on Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, it's like he <laughs> he, he he ruined my season, and like that's uh, that's that's my excuse. But but anyway, anyway, uh, I'm I'm coming up. It's like uh, like I said last time, it was April, but we're still in early May. No, no trophies have been ever awarded in May, so I'm just like uh, I'm just gliding. Uh, under the surface. And th- that just leaves me, uh, your host, Ian Alba. Thank you very much uh, for listening. Um, if you like some of the things we've uh, talked about, uh, you can find more articles on my blog, and that's com. Follow me on Twitter, that's at superpessisr. Uh, please like or subscribe uh, to the podcast. Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Um, But until next time, we'll see you soon.